Welcome to Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Good morning, good afternoon. It is Monday. It is Hometown Heroes. But in light of what's going on today, or coming up this week, I thought we would do a special tribute. And with Easter coming up, going through the origins. So Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And we all know it as you get go to church on Wednesday, get a little ash, put on your forehead, shape of a cross or just a dot, depending on what your religion is. Let's go and talk about the history, the symbolism, and the spiritual significance of this important day on a Christian calendar. I'm your host, Mary Stanley, and we will dive into what is Ash Wednesday? So first let's ask, what exactly is Ash Wednesday? Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the Lenten season. It's a period of 40 days, excluding Sundays, leading up to Easter Sunday. It holds a deep spiritual significance to Christians worldwide, particularly those in the Western church traditions, such as the Roman Catholic and other um, Protestant-type denominations. The central ritual of Ash Wednesday involves putting ashes on the foreheads of believers in the shape of a cross. These ashes typically are made by burning palm branches or the palm leaves from the year before. From the, last, from the year before's um, Palm Sunday celebration, and it serves as a powerful symbol of penitence or forgiveness, a mortality, you know, your mortality and a renewal. Where do these originate? The biblical origins of Ash Wednesday. And its customs are traced back to passages in the Hebrew Bible, where ashes are used as a symbol of mourning and repentance and humility. From the book of Job, the prophetic writings of Daniel and Jonah, the use of ashes and acts of repentance have ancient roots that have been embraced and adopted by the Christian tradition over time. In the book of Job, a righteous man undergoes immense suffering and loss. In Job chapter 26, 
or I'm sorry, 42, verse 6. After Job had endured his trials and repented, he says, therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. This reflection, fresh and reflects Job's profound humility and repentance and acknowledged his human limitations before God. In the book of Daniel, in chapter 9, the prophet Daniel offers a prayer of confession and repentance on behalf of the people of Israel. He pleads for God's mercy and forgiveness, acknowledging the sins of the nation. In Daniel 9.3, Daniel says, Then I turn my face, face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy by fasting and the sackcloth of ash and ashes. Here, the... In the Bible, we talk more about a sackcloth and ashes, which symbolizes the mourning and the repentance and a sincere desire to confess and reconnect with God. In Jonah, the prophet is sent by God to the city of Nevaeh to proclaim a message of repentance. In response to Jonah's preaching, the people of Nevaeh, from the greatest to the least asked and put on sackcloth as a sign of their repentance. This collective act of humility, humility and repentance leads to God's mercy in sparing the town from destruction. These passages from the Hebrew Bible demonstrate the use of ashes as a symbolic and element of the acts. And over time, these were incorporated into the Christian tradition, particularly during the season of Lent, as believers engage in prayer and fasting and acts of penance in preparation for celebration of Easter. You know, early Christians adopted and adapted these practices from Jewish traditions, finding them a meaningful expression for the faith and devotion. The use of ashes on Ash Wednesday and throughout the Lenten season carries with deep biblical roots and significance, reminding us that their mortality and their need for repentance and hope of reconciliation with God. You know, in the early times of Christian religion, the church had a very rigorous approach or a very strong approach to discipline and reconciliation. People who committed serious sins, such as adultery or murder, were required to undergo public penance. You know, the stockades this process involved confessing their sins before the, the congregation and wearing a sackcloth and engaging in acts of penance such as fasting, prayer, and making right the deeds you did wrong. You know, the Bible talks a lot about 
repenting in dust and ashes. You know, God sends rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And when Noah and his family go into the ark, which is Genesis 7, Moses sits atop Mount Sinai receiving instructions from God for 40 days. And Elijah walked for 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God in Horeb. Horeb. When he flees Jezebel's wrath, the 40 days of Lent, however, are primarily identified with the time Jesus spent in the desert fasting and praying and being tempted by the devil. But though the length of Lent was set by the council, its start date is in relation to Easter, which was still undecided. It wasn't It wasn't until 601 AD that the start date of Lent was set. Pope Gregory moved the start date of Lent to 46 days before Easter and established Ash Wednesday. So the interesting part of Easter and there's you know you ever wondered how and all this falls into the Easter holiday and how Easter is determined and the cool part is is Easter is determined based on using the old Julian calendar method. Easter day is the first Sunday after the full moon that occurs next after the vernal equinox. So many of our traditions are still set on the old ways of doing things. So when Pope Gregory moved the start of Lent to 46 days before Easter and established Ash Wednesday at, at the same amount of time, this allows for 40 days of fasting 
where only one full meal and no meat is to be consumed with six Sundays counted as feast days. And when fasting does not apply for a total of 46 days. So he established a tradition of marking parishioners' foreheads with ashes in the shape of a cross. But why ashes? You know, and this is where ashes can be seen in the Old Testament, where they were denote mourning, mortality, and penance. Esther, Esther 4.1, Mordecai puts on sackcloth and ashes when he hears of the decree of King Azarus of Persia to kill all of the Jewish people in the Persian Empire. And in Job, at the end of his confession, Job repents in sackcloth and ashes. In the early Catholic Church, a church historian wrote his book, The History of the Church, that once an apostate named Natalus came to Pope Zephyrinus clothed in sackcloth and ashes begging for forgiveness. But by the Middle Ages, those who were dying lay on the ground on top of sackcloth and were sprinkled with ashes. And the priest would bless the dying people with holy water, saying, Remember that thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt not return, shalt return. And we still utter these ashes today, dust to dust, ash to ash. When you mark the foreheads of parishioners, you repent what you've done wrong, and you believe in the gospel. And by this, the connection between the ashes and the gospel, which we can talk record during the life of Jesus, comes from their preparation. Ashes used each year are made from burning the blessed palm leaves from the previous year. Palm Sunday's celebration, which is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem the week of his death, making the sign of the cross, which these ashes ties the beginning of Lent, the 46-day season. Ash Wednesday is one of the most attended non-Sunday Masses, even though it is not considered an official Holy Day of Obligation. It's not considered a day that you actually have to, are supposed to go to church. So Ash Wednesday begins the 40 days of Lent and a time when we remember that Jesus spent 40 days in the desert. So we talked about all that. So the day before Ash Wednesday, known to many as Shrove Tuesday or Fat Tuesday, it is the feast. 
it is the indulgence. This is in preparation for our fasting on Ash Wednesday and throughout of Lent. So Jesus grew hungry from fasting in the desert. He faced with the first of three temptations that Satan appeared before him and told him to turn stones into bread. But Jesus resisted knowing that he was being tempted to do something God did not want. He knew the word of God was just as important as bread to survival. And he was then brought to the top of the building of Jerusalem and told that if he truly was the son of God, he should jump from the building and angels would carry him to safety. Jesus once again resisted knowing not to challenge God. And on the third temptation, Jesus was brought to the top of the mountain and told that all the kingdoms he saw would be his if he knelt before Satan. But Jesus resisted again, proclaiming that it was not only right to give worship to God. You know, as Jesus faced these temptations in the desert, we too face many temptations in our everyday lives. And we celebrate the gain of Lent on Ash Wednesday and encourage you to think about how you can better yourself during the important time of the year. You know, along with reminding us of our mortality, Ash on Wednesday were also symbolic of grief, grief from sins that we've committed. We may not be able to resist temptation as Jesus did, but Lent provides us with that opportunity to reflect and pray and repent from our sins. In doing so, many people make sacrifices or commit to life changes throughout the 40 days of Lent, which is part of, you know, we give something to give up something. And all of this is to prepare for the coming of Jesus, which is Easter Sunday, is when he wrote. So Ash Wednesday starts the holiday season. Today is the start of Lent. Lent is the start of the Easter season, which is today. And the earliest days of Lent 
can be traced back to early Christianity and the emerging combination of Jewish traditions, biblical events, and practices of early Christian community. So let's talk about the Jewish roots. And it's all about fasting and repentance. And this is, you know, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The fasting to be seen way to humble oneself before God and seek forgiveness for sins and prepare for spiritual sacred occasions. So the Jewish roots of Lent provide an essential context for understanding the origins of the development of Christian observance. Jewish religion practices and traditions, particularly those related to fasting, repentance, and spiritual operation for sacred occasions, influenced early Christian community. You know, fasting holds a big place in all religions. In the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament records numerous instances of fasting and means of seeking God's guidance, expressing repentance and demonstrating devotion. You know, Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai while receiving the law, the Ten Commandments. And the prophet Isaiah fasted during the times of spiritual crisis. You know, central to Jewish traditions is the concept of repentance and atonement. And Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is the holiest day of the Jewish calendar, marked by fasting and prayer. And repentance is a time for introspection and confession of sins, seeking reconciliation with God and the others. Fasting on Yom Kippur is seen as a way to humble oneself before God and demonstrate sincerity in seeking forgiveness. You know, there's other days of fasting throughout the year, such as a Tisha B'Yabab, the destruction of the first and second temple, and the fast of es- Esther, commemorating the events of the Purim story. You know, fast serves various purposes, including mourning, repentance, and commemoration of significant historical events. Fasting is often associated with periods of spiritual preparation and you know, the anticipation of Jewish traditions before major festivals or sacred occasions, such as Passover, one of the holiest days. Individuals may engage in fasting as a way to purify themselves spiritually, focus their minds on prayer, and prepare to encounter God in a meaningful way. You know, as Christianity emerged from within the Jewish context, earlier early followers of Jesus maintained many Jewish religious practices and traditions, which includes fasting, prayer, and acts of repentance. The early Christian community drew upon these Jewish roots as they developed their own distinctive religious observances, including the season of Lent. And through all this, listening to all this, and, you know, some of my ramblings, When you look at all these different religions, when you look at all these different things going on, 
Now, this is where you're, we're reminded that all these different faiths have one basic root. So, all these different faiths, all these different religions, all kind of stem from the same faith that started out. And we mold it and we adjust it for one, for modernization and how things are different, but also for who we are. Excuse me one second. You know, as faith goes through, and as we develop in our own spirituality, we tend to believe things differently. And so as we go through life, our faith is what brings us who we are. Our faith is our bedrock. And how we believe and how we practice what we believe, at the core, doesn't really matter. What's important is how you follow the core faith, which is, helping others and doing what God wanted you to do. You know, so as early followers of Jesus maintained many Jewish religious practices and traditions, the early Christians community drew upon these Jewish roots as they developed their own distinctive religious observances, including Lent. Even today, the Jewish roots of Lent continue to be recognized and celebrated with the Christian community. So you got to remember, Jesus was born Jewish. Christianity was created due to Jesus. He evolved his beliefs because it wasn't following exactly what God wanted. And many Christian views lent as an opportunity to deepen their understanding and share their heritage between Judaism and Christianity, recognizing spiritual richness, richness and depths of Jewish religious practices and traditions. And this is why understanding the Jewish roots of Lent helps understand why we observe with a broader history and theological context, highlighting these different connections of Jewish and Christian traditions enduring the relevance of fasting, repentance, and spiritual faith traditions. Hi, Mary, are you there? Can you hear me? Hello. Mary? 
Hang on. How you doing, Mary? Good. How about you? Oh, doing good. Thank you. Thank you. God is good. Did you just drop off? Yes, she did. All right. Now can you hear me? I see you came back on. Good. <laughs> I'm having issues, slight issues yet. Um, my house, part of my house is about 100 years old, and the other house is new. And so when they connected the two houses together, <laughs> there's a big giant steel beam that runs across the floor of my house. So we're still setting everything up so that I have good signal. Sometimes it kicks out. But oh, okay. Today we're talking about the history of Ash Wednesday in Lent. Yeah, I saw that on your uh, on the uh, episode info. That's great. And um, we, you know, that's a big. Uh, uh, big time in uh, in the Catholic Church. It's the start of Lent, and um, it's the first day that we uh, we have the Lent celebration for 40 days before Easter, and it's a great, uh, it's a great time to reflect and to um, refresh, um, to reflect on our, uh, on, on what we're, uh, what our beliefs are, and what we're, um, uh, and to develop a, a plan for uh, improving our spiritual life and it's uh it's it's a great um it's a great time for us in our church to uh to honor the lord uh, through um and to talk about um uh, the, the past and so forth so i i think i'm glad, i'm happy you you brought this subject up on on the on the show because it's a great uh it's a great, uh, great time in uh, in Christianity, especially through the uh, the Catholic faith. And I um, I know other other churches also uh, are involved in that, but not I think in a different uh, in a different sense than the, the Catholic Church is involved. Yes and no, and it started out the morning show. We were talking about. Lent and Ash Wednesday, <laughs> and we had a, a gentleman ask, you know, where did it come from? What started? What's the significance of it? And I didn't know. I had to Google it, and so it ended up in this rabbit hole this morning of researching Ash Wednesday, and really, it went from Bible times and having ash in a in cloth sack. To hell, having it on your forehead. Right. With the sign of the cross, signifying the uh, well, the death of Jesus. The Catholics and the Christian religion do the sign of the cross, but not all faiths do that. And originally, when they, you, know, you go back to Job and you go back to um, 
you know, even Noah yep. would talk about Ash when they were asking for forgiveness. Right. It wasn't until um, early centuries that they started doing it with the cross. And what I didn't realize, which was really cool, is, you know, you always wondered at, as a kid, you know, you do Palm Sunday, and where do the palm leaves go? What do you do with them afterwards? Yep. That's where the ash comes from for Ash Wednesday, is the um, burning of the palm, blessed palm leaves from the year before. That's right. That's right. And we save those, and then they are they are burnt uh, just prior to the uh, service of Ash Wednesday. And it's a it, it's a uh, it's a great tribute to the Lord and a uh, uh, helping us to remember some of the sequences of events uh, for for uh, Jesus's ministry. And the end of his ministry really didn't end. It was, but when it was his death uh, preceding his uh, crucifixion um, on uh, on Good Friday, and I have no idea why they call it Good Friday because to me it wasn't it wasn't good. <laughs> he died, you know. <laughs> he was nailed to the cross, you know. So, it's, uh, but I uh, it is it is the way it's supposed the way they well, define it. The cool thing. From now till Easter, we are going to talk about all the origins of the historical or the holidays of of the church. So today is Ash Wednesday in Lent. Good Friday, that week before, we'll be talking about the origins of Good Friday. But what I found really cool is, you know, in societies right now, we're talking about the separation of church and state. You know, religion's bad, yeah. yada, yada, all that stuff, right? Our Easter yeah. holiday is still determined old school by the church. Right. Yeah. And the exact date of and Christmas. Easter is determined. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But um, Easter is actually done based on the old calendar system and on the old Gregorian calendar based on the first Sunday after the Paschal full moon, which is the first full moon that occurs on or after March 21st because it has to fall after the equinox. And it's still created on the faith and religion. Yes, and it's um, it's just another example. See, when they say separation of church and state, they uh, they don't understand that the church is separate and the and the uh, state is separate, and there's there's rules governing both. And um, they they um, it, it, to me it's um, it's a misnomer when you say that uh, that. Uh, the church, the, the you know, the, our constitution and our and our formal government was formed based on 
Judo-Christian, Judo-Christian principles. And um, so um, it, it is very difficult to separate those because um, a lot of our laws and a lot of our, const- our constitution and our bill of rights and all that is based on Judo-Christian, Judo-Christian principles. And so uh, it's very difficult to separate those. Uh, a lot of people think they should be, but uh, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. Well, you know, when I look at you know how why we we are the way we are as a con as a country and what we fought for, you know, really what they meant was that the church, because you know back in the day the Catholic Church controlled the government. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. what it was, the way that they built it in our Constitution was more on the fact of a 50 50 partnership. Yeah. Yeah. And it was literally designed to say that we couldn't, you couldn't be forced to be Catholic anymore. Yep. Yeah. And now we're taking it to extremes. Yeah. You know, you look at the, uh, just look at the Arlington Arlington Cemetery, uh, for example. That's a state-run cemetery uh, by the federal government, and um, there are um, there are these uh, crosses uh, designating every uh, every grave throughout this. And every one of these crosses has a symbol on the back of it. It's either a Christian cross symbol or it's a uh, Jewish symbol. Um, and uh, so every one of them has these on them. And I, I'm not sure if there's other symbols as well, but I know particularly about those two. Um, and uh, so it's, it's, a, it's an identification of, of um, uh, the support for these particular people and their beliefs. Um, that died well, for our for our country. It is, and people don't realize, you know, have you ever taken a good look at the dog tags of soldiers? Yep. They have on our dog tags, it has our serial number, it has our blood type, but it also has our faith on there. Yep. So that they know which if something happens or, you know, having the right chaplain to be there for us. Yeah. Faith is huge in the military, and we had lost a lot of people when Obama tried to get rid of faith in the, in the government. Yeah. And by that, he stopped allowing faith to be part of the Bible. Yeah. Hey, Kurt. Hey, guess what? You know, we were talking about Lent earlier and how Easter was determined. You were right. It is based on the full moon after the spring equinox. Okay. And it's the old Gregorian, it's the old Gregorian calendar. The church still decides when we have Easter. So a national holiday is still determined by the church. Right. Good. Wow. Yeah, I, I was told that as a kid that um, it was I had to do with the moon thing in the month of March. 
on um, I'm looking up when the full moon is in March, but it doesn't have it. It will be the week. The okay, so Easter is the after the first. It's a Sunday after the first full moon, unless it's forty days prior to that. This is when uh, Ash Wednesday is. Correct. But to determine Ash Wednesday, you have to figure out Easter first, except for if the full moon falls on, and then they have it the following Sunday. But it's right. Easter this year is the la- is like the 31st of March. Yeah, I just looked at it. Yes, it is. Right. So do I have to go for next year? They would have to go for what fall on this year, right? I'm sorry, what? For next year on 2025, it would have to go by what it fell on this year. No, you can actually predict the the moon cycles based on the days. Of, I'm not that smart. you got to ask my 8-year-old. He can tell you that. They can predict the moon cycles. It's the same, like, four or five cycles. Wow. And it depends on if it's a leap year or not leap year. Yeah, my my son can tell you all that stuff. (laughs) And then he'll get really smart with me some days. And he comes and looks at me and goes, do you want to see a full moon? And I go, sure, but we'll look at it tonight. The moon's not out. He goes, no, I'll show you the full moon. He turns around and pulls his pants down and says, see, full moon. And then he pulls his pants up halfway and goes, and he goes, see, half moon. Then he covers covers himself up and he goes, see, new moon. (laughs) I want to ask a question. And um, why do we have leap years? I think we I know the answer to that. It has to do the rotation of the sun, right? Or the rotation of the earth yeah. from the sun, correct? Leap year. I used to know this. Give me a minute. Okay. Yes, it's to deal with the astro- astronomical year and a seasonal year. It's divisible by four. Something to do with the rotation and all the other good stuff that I'm not. Okay, uh, I thought I thought that had to do with the. You no, know, if you didn't have leap year, you would have like 366 days every four years or something like that. Another rotation of the earth. Yeah. I was just curious why we had to do it. Yeah, it's something to do with the rotation and stuff like that. But here's what's really cool, though. Okay, so we claim to be so smart, right? This modern technology, modern year, we know it all. But leap year has been in the Hebrew, Islamic, Chinese, Ethiopian, and Mayan calendars. Long before we had modern technology. Yep. 
What's really cool that um, a lot of new things have been, they're not even new. So they've made new discoveries on a lot of the Bible stuff. They're finding lost cities. You know, with this weather the way it is and droughts and things like that, you know, they've been able to explore areas they've never explored before. And so these ancient cities that have been in the Bible that have been lost for centuries are now being discovered to prove these stories in the Bible are true. You know, one instance is, you know, they talk about that town in the Bible about, you know, turning to ash. They found plates in one of the um, burials of the Egyptian pharaohs in the Valley of the Kings from a philosopher that actually have it mapped out as a meteor shower. And we have known that sulfur is in some of the meteor showers. Mm-hmm. Wow. When did they discover this? A couple of years ago? Yeah. You know, it's like we, we were talking about earlier, um, before y'all jumped on, about, you know, a lot of our Ash Wednesday um, start of Lent is also the start of Yom Kippur. And the Jewish faith was the original, one of the original faiths. Christianity came out due to Jesus not liking what the Jewish religion was doing in the temples and not following God's rules and God's faith and what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so he preached a little bit differently and basically after his death, create a new religion. And so, you know, all of our religions are basically from the same foundation. They're just been modified by, based on, Sometimes corruption, sometimes on need, sometimes just, you know, on technology. But the well, base values, huh? There's a lot of, uh, a lot of um, connections between um, the Jewish and the Christian faith. And also, um, most some of the Muslim faith is almost... And entwined with the Christian faith. Um, True Muslim religion, actually, oh, most of it is taken from our Bible. It is a variation of the Christian faith. The Muslim religion that a lot of terrorists follow and mm-hmm. the, um, the twisted conformed of it aren't. But an actual Quran, if you actually read the real Quran, it is based off Christian. It's a lot of Christian stuff. It's just a variation of it. Go to lunch. But somehow, somehow we drifted, at, drifted apart from that um, unity of all religions. And we just, we just separated like, into like 
little subdivisions of the, of the main what? religion. Okay. Um, exactly. And that happens with every faith and every religion. You know, it gets put in the wrong hands. Look at David Koresh in Waco. You know, look at all the different cults we've had. You know, look at, you know, 9-11. And look at all these different terrorists in the name of Allah. Yep. It's like like when the uh, Lutheran religion was started. Uh, It was... um, Broken off from the from the Catholic Church yeah. because uh, yeah, the did we lose you, Bob? I think we did. Yeah, and like Bob was saying, the Lutheran Church was created by Martin Luther because of being prosecuted over there in England. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that's where our, our whole constitution came from and that's like me and bob were talking earlier you know they try to say separation they've taken the separation of church and state to a whole new level now you know i truly believe it was made to be 50 50 and i'll basically be a fourth branch of government where they have a say and a guidance but they can't control what we do but they can't have one yeah but the church and state slowly disappeared Pre-pandemic, because as I was clear, the church would tell the government to go pound salt. We're not closing our churches. I don't know what happened to the churches during that time, but, yeah, churches say it should exist because the government has no way to tell the churches how to run um, their churches. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Just, 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 just totally disappear back in 2020. And it just takes to show you how one person can make enough noise to cause an avalanche. <laughs> and yeah, that's true. That's true. Because you know the the freedom from religion crap was actually started back in the 50s and 60s by a woman mm-hmm. who grew up in a very strict Christian household and didn't like it and revolted. And this is back when you prayed in school still. And she didn't like the fact that her son was supposed to pray in school. And she took her voice and marched all over the place and became very rich doing it and suing schools, which is why we don't have prayer in schools. Well, we do now, but we're backtracking all that. But just one woman, one person had a voice, and she used it correctly. Yeah, there was also one 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 woman that was very inter- instrumental in starting Planned Parenthood, and uh, yeah. with the uh, with the with the goal of of, of abortion of of children, and um, she she believed that, uh, and and her reason I believe was because she she felt that uh, 
there were there were too many black babies being born, and uh, she wanted right. to stop. Yeah. She wanted to stop yeah. that, and uh, it was all you based on her her racial beliefs. You know. Correct. You know what bugs me the most of all of that is the poster child of Roe versus Wade, the woman involved in Roe versus Wade. You know why she did what she did? No. For money. Did you know that she oh, never yeah. even get aborted? She didn't ever abort that baby? Yeah, and that's gotten even more and more so today. There's a lot of money being made for babies being killed. I know. <sighs> what us human beings have, have, have come to, it's really... Uh, it's very simple, uh, I believe, and what what uh, a lot of human beings have uh, have done, and and we're all sinners, but uh, some some sometimes things that people uh, push for uh, and make a big uh, stink about it, it, it it happens that it causes um, a serious problem in in the uh, in the human race uh, that been last for centuries. Uh, even, That's the sad even, part about it. Yeah. And a lot of times the person that makes the most noise that starts this crap has nothing to do with that actual part to begin with. You know, for instance, women in the military being on the front lines. That whole yeah. thing has not wasn't even created by someone in the military. Yep. It was civilians. Oh, wow. You know, it's like, yeah. I personally believe to this day, women do not belong on front lines. It actually do hand-to-hand combat. They're fine as a medic or whatever, on, you know, and being at the front line. But, you know, it's not being sexist. It's nothing like that. But men are are ingrained in their DNA to protect a woman no matter what. It yeah. is not it, something you can unprogram. Even though you had those beliefs, you served in the military, right, Mary? Yeah, I was an I was a medic, so I I spend time on the front lines. But I, yeah. um, here's the thing. So when that rule changed and became where women could try out to be in the infantry units and things like that, our sergeant decided to screw with us because he thinks it's funny. And so what he did is he called all the women down for formation early. And he looks at us all and he goes, guess what? They just passed a rule. They don't have enough volunteers. So I need five volunteers to go and and um, to a different unit and go and train to be on the front lines and go into infantry at Fort Bragg. Do we have any volunteers? All of us took a step back. He goes, Fine. So- I'm going to pick you, 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 and you. So five of us got picked. He goes, I need your to go up, back up to your barracks, go pack your stuff, be back down by 0700, and you're getting transferred to Fort Bragg. We get packed. We're scared shitless because none of us wanted to do it. And he, right. we get down there, and he goes, huh, I'm just screwing with you. I would never torture you all that way. <laughs> but there's only been a couple women who have even close to making it to – follow the standards of men to be able to be in the unit. Because the only way you can do, it's one of the few jobs in the military where it's not different set of standards for women as it is for men. 
you know, mm-hmm. when you do your PTs, you do your stuff. We do a different amount of sit-ups and push-ups than men do because our bodies are different than women, or men are. And, right. like, our ba- our packs we carry, we can actually – I've never done it because I didn't – I could handle my pack. But we can actually carry less in our packs because we don't weigh as much. and Our upper bodies aren't as strong as the man's. One of the most common issues with women in the military, because the way our packs are set, they sit on our hips, is we end up with fractured hips. Oh. Our packs weigh between 75 and 100 pounds. That's how much weight we carry with our full uniform and our backpacks. Oh, well, you know, in uh, in uh, Israel, it's different than uh, than it is here in the United States. Uh, all, uh, men and women are, are required to serve a certain amount of time in the military, um, which is uh, which for many years was was not uh, an requirement for women. And um, well, I know when I when I was uh, a teenager, uh, our country had what was called the draft. And in the draft, every 18-year-old male had to go to the draft board and register, uh, and they they were required to to serve. Uh, I was not able to serve, and the reason I was not able to serve was because I was married, and I had two children and a third one on the way already. And so um, when I was 19... um, my my first child was born, and when I was 20, my second child was born, and so uh, and then the third one was on the way around that time. So um, it um, it was, but it was a requirement. It was a requirement that you go. If you were a man, a male, you had to go. And and my that's how my brother went in. He was he was called up on the draft, and uh, so he went in and served uh, in uh, Korea. But um, it was just a requirement. Yes, but women are required to, to, to in all, most countries of the world to, you know, for serve. But yeah. Israel, women are not allowed to fight combat roles. They are not allowed to fight on the front lines. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. We are, we are the only country that allows it. And the thing is, is that when you look at it, you have a man and you have a woman, and you have a, your battle buddy. When you're under no. fire, that man's instinct is automatically to protect that woman, not your battle buddy, which is what you're supposed to do. No. And there's nothing, there's no programming in the world that's going to change that. No. Well, it was, it was. I think it was pushed because of the feminist, uh, uh, the, the feminist, feminist movement uh, mm-hmm. that women were wanted to, uh, to get uh, equal jobs and equal pay for everything and, and uh, have the same rights as a man had, and that uh, that was part of it. And I I, um, I don't know if I – I don't think I oppose that. I think it's uh, – if a woman works at, uh, works at a job that a man does, uh, she should be paid equally, and I, I believe in that. Um, and I pushed that when I was at AT&T with the people that I was trying I, to get promoted, you know, so um, it was. Um, I agree with all aspects of that, except for the military. 
Yeah. And anyone that that wants to do it, fine, you can try it. But I want all these feminist people to sit there and actually do what we do in the military and not speak for us. I want all these women that that are all about equal rights to do what we do and do it successfully. And that's where I have the biggest problem with these feminist movements is they're taking this too far. By that, it's it's gone beyond equal pay and equal rights. It is now to the point where degrading males and ostracizing them to to (laughs) boost ourselves up. That's a common characteristic of of organizations that uh, start up uh, to push a particular agenda. Uh, they they t- tend to expand it, expand it, expand it. Uh, what their what their what their movement is all about, and uh, so that's that's not unusual, I I think, and and as a human characteristic, and a, and a, and a, a thing that uh, a lot of people push for. Um, it's like um, it's like a lot of the things that are going on today. We're trying to get uh, God out of the out of the schools and get uh, get God out of uh, out of our lives and, and uh, having um, unequal treatment of people that have uh, have religious beliefs. And uh, so yeah. mm-hmm. that's 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 very very similar. And it is, you know, um, I didn't share yet the cool thing that happened to me this morning. So, you know, you listen to Tuesday's show or you listen to the um, Marketplace Ministries with Rick. He always talks about faith, and I always call him my Jiminy Cricket because he's helped guide me with decisions that i got to make. Sometimes when I just don't quite know the right – I know the right answer. I'm just not quite there to, to, to do it. And so he always talks about faith and how, you know, you give and it comes back in tenfold. You know, I, yeah. I've worked very hard to create different organizations to help support organizations and giving back to our communities. And so it was really cool. So back before um, Christmas, I broke the back window of my mom's car. And with the move and everything else we didn't in the holidays, I didn't have the extra cash to go put a new one in yet. So I used plastic and put over the back window. So we just moved into our new house. And this gentleman, my mom's car is parked um, in front of our house on the side of the road there. A gentleman stops at my house this morning, rings my doorbell, and offers to give me a back window for my mom's car. Wow. And all, and all he's asking for it is 20 bucks. Wow. For me, to re- for me to replace that back window, it's like 500 bucks. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And so I'm like, yeah, it blew my mind. He's on his way to work, and he goes, you know, I have this sitting in my garage. I, I, you, you can have. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> wow. That that's paid forward on that part. Mm-hmm. Dang. But you know, when you follow your heart, you follow what's right, you follow the teachings of God and you give back and do things, it will come back. may not be when you want it or how you want it, but it's how you need it or the way it should be. Mm-hmm. That is true. 
That is true. You know, you have, you have to you have to realize that you know you want it right away, but no, you you have to work on God's time for anything you want. You know, pray for it's God's time, not your time. God's in control. Amen. <laughs> That's it. So you know, we are out of time for today. Cool. And I can smell my kids burning popcorn in my kitchen. Oh, no. Burn popcorn. Mary, I just want to thank you for bringing up this subject. I think it's very important that we, we do these kinds of things on the show um, because it's, it's helpful to people in a way that we're, we're, we're teaching them and educating them in things that are important in people's lives. And so um, this particular subject that we've been talking about today is Ash Wednesday and, and a lot of things about uh, religions and, and uh, uh, the treatment of people. And, and those are all important. They're important in our society and important in, uh, in the things that we're trying to, to do to help people. So um, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for, uh, for what, you're, what you're doing every day to help people. Well, thank you, you know. Yes. So before we leave, I have an announcement to make, or if Kurt wants to make it, we have a new show coming up. Kurt's going to be the main host. Mm -hmm. You want to take it away? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Mary. So what what we're going to do is break down all these um, holidays, religious and religious holidays, faith holidays, and Break them down to the origins, from Christianity itself to Yom Kippur to Lent, Ash Wednesday, Christmas. Why we have these holidays, why they're significant, and try to bring back the original purpose of them. Yeah, the original intent, right. Right. Yep. And the most understand holiday on the calendar is Halloween. Um, people Correct. don't know what the original uh, the origin of Halloween was, or you know, and they just think it's a they double verse thing, and it's not. <laughs> Holiday, but I like to do a program on Halloween. I definitely. I mean, it's Halloween. I'm waiting for it. And Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah. The other the other thing and, I want um, to mention. Something that came to my mind, Mary, while we were talking is that we're, um, we're ex- a lot of what we're talking about here, we're expressing our opinions. Um, yeah. And I, uh, we're, we're also trying to base it on facts, uh, things that uh, you've researched and I've researched over my lifetime. And, and Kurt, that you've, you've, you've learned and taught over your lifetime mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that uh, it's important that people understand that as that, uh, we are generally uh, trying to base all of our, our shows on, on factual information. Uh, yeah. But sometimes we, uh, we're only human and we, we give our opinions on things. So um, yeah. take it, sometimes you have to be able to, uh, be able to separate that and, and, and take it with a grain of salt, what we say. Oh, Does yeah. that make sense, Mary? Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense to me, but I'm looking forward to my new show. 
Larry and I have to work out some more details on it, but looking really forward to it. Yeah, yeah. me too. And Kurt, give me, me a call later when you're not busy. I will. I will. All right. Definitely. All, all right, right guys. Have, have a good day. And God bless you have all. Have a good night. God bless America. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.